This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, it's Sharon. Let's jump into my conversation with Sunrick midstream and hear where it goes. Buckle up for an interesting trip. But I can't answer the basic question about about the relationship, which is a very good friendship. The basic question of why we're close? Yes. Huh. Go back to the part about being a little jealous. What's that mean? Um, well, we're, we're at different places and stages of our lives all the time. Yeah. And sometimes, um, you know, it's like in Arthur when his his butler, who he thinks of as his father, is at the end of his life. And he says, I wish you were younger. I don't remember the words exactly. And he said, it's my job to... It's, to be older Arthur mm. and mm. but there's not been jealousy that I, really on achievements or things that were tried or yeah. well I th- you know these these are emotions that people do experience mm. yeah I mean it's so foreign to me it's interesting I like I remember learning and forgive me I forget where I might have read it so I don't want to not attribute it to somebody but the idea that there's this place... Cheers. Is that a cheers? Yeah. Oh, cheers. I hit the mic. Drinking some... Cheers. Some bubbly. Some afternoon bubbly. The idea that at a certain age, a certain point in a child's life, their parents... When something good happens in a child's life, the parent is is filled with joy from seeing that achievement of their child. And then there's this place that can occur where the parent no longer is feeling fulfilled because of the child's achievement. The parent's achievement is the achievement of their of their child. Not Oh, I see. And not the child's just being achievement proud. bubbles up and is the parents own that pride. Right, but not just being proud of it having happened for the kid, but it is actually like an internal self-pride that it happened. This is later in life. Later in the life cycle for the parent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I've experienced some of that. Good, they're okay. It's going well because I'm not going to be here forever to, you know, see what's going on. It Me is. neither. It's a very good fulfillment. <laughs> I mean, it's true. No, I know. Doesn't it? It's the it's amazing that that our culture's relationship with death is so removed. I know, and it's affected things on every single level. I'm not trying to be like curmudgeonly about I it. I think part of it is because we don't know what happens. 
Well, we've always not known what happens. Yeah, so some cultures make it up, but they don't really know. No, they, ma- they make it up because it, it creates tranquility and, as opposed to fear. So operating from a place of positivity and hope is better than total abject horror at the fact that we don't know. But throughout time, we've all not known. Throughout time, we've some of our cultures have decided we're going to tell people what happens, even though they don't know. But the act of of death and the positioning of it were physically removed from it. So up until 80 years ago, somebody would die and they would be awake in the house. The body would be in a room on display for a week. I've been to wakes in the house. It's amazing. It used to be everybody's experience to go and have certainly multi-generational living prompted people of all ages seeing what death of a loved one looks like very up close. I mean, people would go in to celebrate someone's life. I mean, people would put a body in a certain place in the house, and there are certain places you could not put a dead person, which is how living room got its name. Did, did you just make that up? Do you think I'm living gonna, room? Wait, do you think I'm going to make things up on a show? Living and just room. Put it out you there. You can't put a dead body in the living room. It has to do with there being a room where. So does that mean if I stay in the living room, I won't die? Um, wow. I had a friend once Is who said... Is that why we decorate them so carefully and don't let people take their shoes off? <laughs> I had a friend once say, you know, you might live forever. You'll be the first person, but you you might. I thought that was always nice. But so between like death not being in front wow. of us, people being afraid to talk about death, people being afraid... I heard about this great um, program, I think it's a nonprofit, that really just gets people up to speed on on like here's what a life insurance policy is here's what a living will is here's what a dnr looks like Like, people don't want to talk about it people don't want to talk about it and even when they do talk about it it's incredibly tricky touchy and it's not a conversation that people are seemingly able to have and yet here we are talking about again you and i we have a different kind of relationship there's really not much we can't talk about not everybody, not everybody is that easy to talk about a will with, you know? So um, my stepfather was uh, my best friend. And at one point he said to me, I'm going to make my arrangements, my pre-arrangements. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my arrangements. And will you go with me? And I said, yes. So we went in and he picked out what he wanted. We went to the funeral place. We, he picked out what he wanted and he said he wanted to, they said, you can pay it out. He said, no, I, you know, I want to write you a check and I want to pay for it. And I put my hand on his hand and I said, Hey pop, this is fine. You picked out what you want. This is good. He said, I don't want you to have to worry about it. Do anything when the time comes except pick up the phone. And I said, I appreciate that. I'm just saying, instead of paying for this now, if you want, you can tell them your choices and we can go like buy you a new car. Mm. Is there anything else that you'd rather do with the money? No, of course, he went to make the arrangements. Mm. So then he, he gave the information for the obituary. And he said, and my mother's name was Sarah. And he turned to me, he said, see now, after I'm gone, if you had to do all this, you wouldn't know her name. I said, it would be okay. He said, how? I said, I would just make it up. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> but he, but we we did that together, <laughs> and um, it I thought it was a, I thought it was a good idea, and um, yeah, he dealt with it, and I and I dealt with it, and it is part of you know yeah. part of your paperwork. It's just it's just getting one's affairs in order, and so. I understand why it's so overwhelming for some people and it's also it's a combination of accepting that it's going to happen and also taking an inventory of their assets and those are two really touchy things combined at one at one time and so i understand why people avoid it um, but it's really just like you know do you have renter's insurance oh if you're listening to this and you rent and you don't have renter's insurance <laughs> by the way it's like $30 a year, and you should get it tomorrow because I'm not trying to sell you on anything, but it's <laughs> insane if you're not insured. So up until 80 years ago, death was all around us. In that same 80-year period of time, we've added a billion people to the planet. Oh, jeez. And added, 20, and added 23% body mass index across the board. So there's more of us. More of us aren't taking care of ourselves, and we're not talking about what happens when we die. Okay. Is there anything else that we need to say on this subject? No, I'm good if you are. <laughs> you brought it up. I did? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> no, I did not. How did we get here? Living room? No, you you brought it up. I don't know how we got here. That, no, you did bring it up because I know this for a fact. I'm going to tell you. Oh, I said. I won't be here forever. I won't be here forever. Yeah. Yes, but that's, that's just part <laughs> of the perspective of relationships. I agree, and I and we had this conversation um, back in September of 2018 when, and we'll see if I decide to keep this in or not, but I'll talk about it. I went on a shamanistic magic mushroom retreat. You know, that was um, very helpful for me. My mushroom retreat was helpful for you? Yes, but I, I don't think that. I don't think that you're going to keep listeners if you talk about this. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to hear a mom and son talk about the son going on a magic mushroom journey. No, not any of this. Are you nuts? This is great. How did it help you? How did it help me? Um, Because you said to me, during your journey, you went through release of a lot of things. And one of them was um, considering um, my death and you realize that in spite of the things that you knew you would feel that were difficult, that you knew that you would survive and be okay. Right. Which is a very important thing. Yeah. And I think, yes, of course, but it was good for me because knowing that you knew that mm. takes, uh, gives me relief. Good. I'm glad that, I'm glad for that. Gave me relief also. And I'm beginning to... You know, I don't know how to, how to talk about the Matrix without people um, not knowing if they'll follow it or not. But if if someone bails because of you know singularity or or alternate reality or Matrix discussion, they might not be our target audience. So, and I think back recently that's okay. about some of the books that I read in the seventies and the sixties, science fiction books, and I will make a list and go reread them. At least three that I know of describe something that I'm sure is the idea of of the matrix or the chance of following all different paths of reality. Why do I bring this up? The more I think about how little we know, let me, let me, let me relate it to this. The reason that diet fads change and constantly change and rotate and 
Mm-hmm. We are told by quote unquote them, right. you should eat eggs. More you eggs, should less not eggs, eat eggs. Butter is good for you this milk. week. You should never have dairy. Ghee, you, no ghee. Whatever it is, tofu, no tofu will kill you. Spinach, no tofu, but not too much spinach. Switch it up to kale. It has oxalic acid, but not too much kale because after two weeks of green drinks with kale, it builds up and it's poisonous. And switch your greens. Nobody, Hashtag switch your greens. The reason is that we, oh, we very don't know. much do not know. Or what happens is the foods we take in have such complicated um, biochemical relationships with our bodies that if you take the amount of vitamin D you're told to take, you're going to be short of magnesium. But if you add magnesium, it throws off something it's else. It's impossible. Yeah. So people f- who are trying feel like, I don't know what I'm supposed to eat. There's a lot we don't know. And if we look in the history of things not too long ago, um, there were medical procedures that we know now. We didn't know about germs 125 years ago. And people still don't wash their hands. I saw people. It's astounding. Grabbing, people still don't wash their hands. Or grabbing sushi with their hands at a buffet. <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't know. We know so little. We you know, know so little about our reality. I'm beginning to think that I'm getting a feel for some of what reality is that I couldn't have understood before. Mm. And I'm beginning to think that um, this experience is not isolated and it's not the only one. The only one that you've had? That I will have. Got it. And do you think you'll have a sentient conscious memory of this one in your next one or will it be wiped clean? I think that it's like compartmentalizing and I think at one path or another there will be a broad overview. And I think... Yes. But do you think your soul travels? Or do you think you'll remember this experience in your next life? I understood your question. I think that it doesn't matter what I think because there's no data and we don't know and I don't know. But I, and I don't know what the answer is and I don't know if it's understandable in in our brains in this incarnation. But I think that the chances of a soul being born, living, dying, and never mm-hmm. existing again are nil. I agree with you. It just doesn't make sense. I went to an Akashic reading a few months ago, which is a reading, uh, divining, a conversation around that. I'm not doing Akashic readings justice because I'm not an expert in this space, but it's not a psychic. It's not astrology. It's not a fortune teller. It's is somebody, it like a life reading? It's like a life reading. It has to do a lot, a lot with past lives and and you know things that would be similar to a um, numerolo- Kabbalistic numerology reading, but it's it's more of you know it's past life. Thing. Well, tarot reading is self divination. It's self understanding of. Well, the Akashic reader says, "This is not me. I'm not a psychic. I'm not telling you your future. I'm basically." drawing on a conversation that's happening you know with these much higher level thought oh really energy things like a medium yeah again no not a medium i'm really not doing a great job of explaining it but it's yeah i mean the facilitation is similar to that of a medium you know i'm getting this i'm hearing that i think it means this and i'm sure there's a lot of eye rolling out there and you know i'm I'm a, a skeptic not a cynic by nature uh, and I had some really interesting experiences and some things that this person said, oh, I'm getting, you know, this and that. Like, oh, I heard she said, I. it sounds, I'm getting the idea that you 
grew up in a very loud household. Oh, you told me about you know, this? And I guess it's 50-50, right? Is it a cold reading like a, a fake psychic would do? It either did or he didn't. Uh, but it, I did not get the sense that I was being swindled. And I also, to hear about some things about past life suggestions, kind of fit in and make sense. And there was something that resonated with me with it in the sense that I don't have memory of that now. So whatever happens next, I won't know this then. I absolutely agree with you that the soul travels, that matter cannot be created nor destroyed, and part of that matter is this essence, this, this light. I have a question to interrupt you. The end of the thought is, but I think in terms of the human experience, it's you know a computer and it lights out, just goes dead. You do? I think the soul will travel on, the body, it just lights out. I don't think I will have any, quote, memories or, quote, see anything after I die. But I think my soul will have its own journey. I don't think I'll know. You don't think your soul is your you-ness? It is, but I don't think my you-ness needs my conscious memory from this go-around. You go think around. the soul passes through and leaves behind the you-ness, the you, who you are, and then continues? I think the tries soul... tries on different... I think the soul, soul has acts. essence of, of me, and I think the, the hmm. you-ness, the me-ness that you just referred to is... A through line and whatever old experience of me on planet earth or wherever before would feel a lot like me now but i don't have memory of that nor would future versions of my soul have memory of, of rick now i think the things i do here contribute to that soul and the experience it has will be bettered by the way that i live my life but i don't think i'm, I'm along for the ride so you think the soul that is within you would continue, but your uniqueness that is Rick would not make that journey. It would be like trying on, oh God, what was that? Um, um, an Edgar suit. What was that movie? Oh, Men in Black. Men in Black. He's wearing a... Trying on a mat. See, this is why we're friends. I say some a... little thing and you know exactly where it comes from. He's... An so Edgar so was your husband Edgar? No, look like Edgar, but want want Edgar. <laughs> Man, what do you mean? It was like he's wearing a Edgar suit, and then they cut to him, and he's like, more sugar water. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this, and Men in Black explains a lot. I mean, sorry, but there are things I, embedded in our culture. I did see the trailer. Arts. I saw the trailer for the new one last night. It looks what like new one. They're making a, a new Men in Black coming out in a few weeks. It's, um, it looks so fucking bad. It looks so bad. You didn't even see it yet. The trailer that I You're didn't see. You're not going to win friends with all these. The trailer that I saw looks so fucking bad. I have an opinion. Okay. So no. what about deja, Wait. what about deja vu or even on a more interesting point, something that you know that you, sh how would you possibly know it? Before I play this game just to summarize to put a finer point what you just asked no i do think the me that is now is part of my soul i don't think my memory my conscious will travel the collective conscious will be affected by my presence as one teeny teeny tiny fraction of the universe and the things that i do now and the choices i make contribute to a good soul in my opinion nice but i don't think the next stop includes my memory I think my coil, immortal coil, will, will expire, and then the journey continues. But I don't think, I think it lights out. Imagine making every choice based on, it doesn't really matter because later, dot, 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 this will happen. That's a cop-out. 
are all your pets there? Is your grandmom there? But is your grandmom there? Does she look like grandmom to you or is she 20? Why would she choose to be 80? Like, have you thought through any of these things? No, 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 it's okay. Keep eating fried cheese and just like, you'll get there. Knowing that it's going to end, knowing it lights out, makes all this make more sense. It makes it all more worthwhile. I'm not doing something for to later. To do your best here. Yeah. And have fun, not just do my best. Enjoy it. I've done, I've done so many different things and I've tried so many different careers and I've experienced so many different things because of that. Not, not in spite of it. I understand that. Yeah. Deja vu. I don't know. The Matrix was really funny with deja vu. Was it like the same cat or was it the same cat? Right. Deja vu means a glitch. Uh, I don't know. I think that there are things that all of us pick up on. You think about somebody and your phone rings, it's them. You see something on TV and then you look to your left and you pass, you know, a person that reminds you of that. And I think we all have the ability to fine tune that through our own practice of of mindfulness and centering and knowing ourselves and connecting our body with our mind and our spirit uh, and having that relationship. I had something happen to me I shared with you where I knew, I just knew that someone in particular was going to reach out to me who I haven't spoken to right. in many years. I just knew it. Right. I said it to my therapist and I said to him, I know I don't really know. I'm not being arrogant. I'm not saying I have the future known or that I know something people don't but I'm telling you in the next three weeks I'm just going to hear from this person and I was off by six days and so when it happened it wasn't like oh no it was more like yeah that 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 makes sense and now I have in front of me the information to make a choice of how I want to respond to this and great news I had a bit of a heads up a little head start on making this choice and so it didn't clobber me it was like okay that happens a lot to you a lot is it because you're doing the work and you're very mindful of I don't you know, that, that, and I, that's around my, you? And my impulse is to answer yes, but that sounds like I'm just being self-congratulatory. Like, oh, I do all this work, so therefore I know more. It's like, it's not exactly how it feels. It's more like... You're in tune I'm somehow. tuned in. I'm in flow, and I'm tuned in, and the more in tune I am, the more of these things that happen to the point where, like, I'll think about somebody for a moment like oh you know i haven't heard from them for a minute and i you know i put this effort in here and this was that and maybe i'm done with them and that's okay too and then like five minutes later the next morning i'll hear from them it's coming and going is my point it's not just like these messages from afar that are coming in it's like stuff that i need to push out as well so i was thinking about something recently i was when i was in ninth grade um 60 something 1967 the school was very progressive it was architecturally um, advanced it was brand new um, abington north campus and we had my class was there for ninth and tenth grade and then we moved on to a different building because there were a thousand people in, in my class and something about that number in the class above and, be, and behind us lot people we had a teacher i think he was a world civ teacher and the average age of the teachers there was very young i want to say 27 i could be off a little bit i think he was 24 Jeez. and i remember being in in the classroom actually the large group room for a presentation and he said when you are adults when you grow up and later in life you will no longer have to memorize anything 
ever. You will never take a test on facts. No one will expect you to remember dates or any details because you will be able, you will have access to all the information in the entire world at your fingertips. All you will have to do is know where to look for it. Hmm. That's bizarre. And I realize, and I think about this every, I don't know, 10 years. And I thought, oh, he really kind of could figure out that things were going to change and we would have a good way to handle information. But I woke up yesterday and I thought, wait a minute. I knew we were going with this. How did he, how did he, he's describing the internet. And although we had computers and we had, I don't know if you call it a precursor of the internet or an early internet. How could he possibly have known and understood that? What did he teach? Which is a, I think, world sieve. Because science fiction, if he was an English teacher, econ's not bad either. But he like, was sci- not an English teacher. But think about the Asimovs and the Heinleins of the of that era writing science fiction that have, for the most part, dictated our technology i know but this was our whole way of life and learning and understanding no it's a biggie how could he have known that so go ahead it seems like something was going on that we were not aware of you know there is the occasional book or movie about people that oh i don't want to say time travel but time travel or relive sequences, or the movie Sliding Doors, which is not exactly this, but addresses what would happen if you turned left instead of right. Right. It seems that it's a hint of something that we want to know about. Yeah. How could he have known that? I mean, he didn't. But he did? So that'd be like me saying, like, one day people will be in their cars which of course will be self-driving and they'll say can you believe they used to let anybody who was 16 years old or more drive one of these machines and just bash into each other and everyone will laugh and go that's ridiculous it's not efficient at all and they go yeah we know but you could and then in 50 or 80 years when that happens am i a time traveler i just see where that's going but that's looking backward you know what happened and you see where the technology is going and we're going toward that now Okay, I could say, can you believe they used to let this people... This was 1960, what did we say, seven? I can make you 50-year predictions right now. We will not be driving in Manhattan. There will be no cars allowed in Times Square ever. I agree with that, but I can show we, you data that predicts that. We will have power sources. No, I guess it's, that's a Misha Kaku thing. Power sources in the bottoms of uh, big skyscrapers that power everything, and no one will have batteries on them. I saw something online years ago that you could embed um, solar catchers in the street for the I same that. expense that it costs to, uh, do we do macadium? I don't even know what we make, make streets out of now. In the lines, What's the macadium? yellow lines in the street. I remember this. They'd would, make those sensors. And it would p- make all the energy for the city, and it doesn't cost any more money. I don't know what happened to that if it was a I do. fun. What? There's a lot of money in fracking and oil, so they kill all that shit. They killed it. Uh, so they pretend wind farms don't work because they want their precious. They're precious. They're precious. Got the dollar wrong. Yeah. Well, I guess then your teacher was a time traveler then. 
It seems like an Can you come back to, yeah. awfully detailed thing to it's know really about. It's really specific. It's really specific. But I remember being like 11 or 12 and, we, and I got access to a video camera and I was so excited. And I remember thinking, wouldn't it be cool if instead of taking like the camera out and pressing record for a while and then like going back with two VCRs and editing it, wouldn't it be cool if I could just take like three or five seconds every like hour of my whole day and at the end of the day show this like montage Smart. that lasts like a minute or two and then everybody made those and we just shared those with each other to get an update on how our day was. Well, the now the obvious thought on that is you could have, I didn't think of that, it's you stories. could have a record of your whole existence. Well, people do now. Now they do. Right. So there are people now who... If you can find where you put it and what you saved it under and access it. <laughs> <laughs> well, knuckleheads are putting on the cloud. So there are people who are having babies who are all about the cloud. And they every could, baby single... could see every day of their life? Yes. That's like defending your life. It, not just see every day of their life, but you can predict things from that. You'll know exactly where that person's going to go. It's like an actuary table. You'll know like what they're likely to do for a career, how much they're likely to make, how many sexual partners likely to have, how far they're going to travel from their home. So I don't think there's any young people listening to this. but How dare you? When I was a kid, a young kid, elementary school, I would get home after school. I would change because we wore dresses to school and you couldn't wear sneakers, etc. And I would walk from my house a couple of blocks, half a mile, to a park and I would climb the rocks and I would climb the trees and I sometimes would bring a, a, a bologna sandwich and have a snack and no one knew where I was and no one knew where I was and no one knew where I was. Can you imagine the freedom and independence and there were no video cameras recording me even though I walked past people's houses Nobody recorded me for security. And somehow I'd show up at dinner time and no one would say, where were you or what did you do? And we survived. Thrived. We thrived. Yeah. We were learned to be independent and capable. But I remember walking down the street. One day I went only to the end of the block and I got a bee sting. And I walked home. In a lot of discomfort and scared, I had never had a bee sting before. And I got home and I thought, oh, I'm so glad to get home. And my mother was there and mm. took care of it. But between the end of the block and the house, I mean, anything could have happened. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to talk about the television in her room. So I was um, four, maybe five. We moved when I was five and a half. And... My parents had an air conditioner in their room, so in the summer on hot days, I would nap in there and change in there. And one day I was getting changed, and I was trying to hide behind the closet door. And my mother said, what are you doing? They had a TV in the bedroom. There was one in the living room and one in the bedroom. And that was the, like a big deal. The TV was on, and I said, I don't want the people to see me. And she laughed. She said, oh... They, you can see them because it's projected, but they can't see you. And somehow I never was sure that was true. It didn't ring true. Mm. It sounded like one of those things where your parent says, oh, don't worry about it. And later you find out you really <laughs> should have worried, worried about, about it because your instinct was right. And now I read things that say, 
um, cover. You can see my camera eye on my phone is not taped over. Uh-huh. I'm not paranoid. I'm not scared of the thing. But I've read you should tape over it. Oh, sure. Well, it's interesting because you, if if, you were prepped for this even before it was a real thing. I mean, there are... there that's, are. That's what I'm getting at. How could it even occur to me? Well, maybe this your smart non-lizard brain knew that the collection of information and you saw television going one direction. So how unreasonable is it to go the other direction? Just put that together and in your creative mind thought it was already happening. You know, is that really about like knowing the secrets of the universe or is it kind of like, well, that would be weird if that happened. Like you said earlier, if you could think of it, somebody's done it. So we do know nothing relatively. We know more about the moon. And what we do know, they won't let us go through with anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, and that the truth? We know more about the moon than we do the bottom of our own ocean. We have just in the last couple of decades discovered most of the land on this planet. Do you know, I just read there are hundreds of millions, 200 million ships at the bottom of the ocean. Mm. 200 million? Are you sure about that? Yeah. That doesn't sound right. I know. I guess it could be, though, in 10,000 years of wars. It makes no sense at all. Well, if it's 10,000 years of wars and there's 1,000 ships for every war and it's every couple of years, it's possible. Sound, it sounds high, but it's you know, possible. war sounds so prehist- not prehistoric, but so archaic. It is. It's hard to imagine that we're still living like this. It's made for lizard brains who say it's fight or flight. You're either with me or you're not. And the only way to get what I want is to murder you. It's a, it's an, it's a non-evolved exoskeletal way of thinking. And the reason that it still happens is because we have a lot of non-evolved exoskeletal thinking people in positions of power talking to non-evolved exoskeletal people in positions of not power. I know it's high horsey sounding, but it's it's true. It goes, well, getting along is a little more expensive and we'll have to convince people that what they've been doing is wrong. And they may have to say, you know what? You're a good person and you're racist. And here's how we can identify and fix it. Instead, they just go, let's go the other direction and let's go to war. We know more about the moon than we do our own ocean. We've only been to the moon in the last 50 years, which is like a blip on the map. We know more about our solar system in the last 10 years than we have in the previous 100. Probably in the last eight months. Exactly. And more and more, I mean, SpaceX is sending out dozens of, of satellites now that if it works, we'll have internet high speed across the entire world. Excuse me. I just read this morning that the farmers, um, I might be misquoting, in Idaho. Uh-huh can't get internet in their fields. This one farmer has 1,700 acres. And he's nice. in the middle of the field and his his tractor broke down. Mm. And he can't get his reception on his phone to call the company, the store, that has the piece that he needs to fix his tractor, which is 80 miles away. Mm-hmm. And he's in the middle there. He doesn't have any way to get out. He can't contact anybody and tell them he's stuck there. Yeah, imagine what... They can't get internet, and apparently they were waiting for somebody to help him, help them who had promised they would get internet. Can you imagine? No, because I live in cities, but I also think that the idea of having internet for all and the potential for delivery of a drone or photography from a drone would change a million scenarios that could only be bad otherwise. Like there's a lot of good that can happen, just that's just not being used, all being used for good. 
So just to go back a minute, we know extremely little about existence, about death, about our solar system, about our life. And it's starting to speed up. Like the information that we're getting in the last 50, 10, one year is yeah. like exponentially faster. So I'm excited. You know, 100 years you from now. we're going to know the basics? I think within a hundred. I think within a hundred years we'll know kind of where we sit and what if if life exists elsewhere. Oh, I th- I've read that the odds of life not existing elsewhere are are like minuscule. I agree. It would be super arrogant to think that this little blue blue marble in the middle of nowhere is the only one, and we're so special because we love nacho cheese. Oh, but I'm talking about a hundred years knowing exactly what's up, like where, who, when. I think a nice way to end today's episode might be for me to share a song. Are you open to me sharing a song through our podcast? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Nice. So after we say goodbye, I'm going to play for you um, a tune I wrote last year called Beginner's Heart. I wrote it and performed it and played all the instruments on it. And uh, if you dig it, uh, you can find me at thisisspells.com. I go under spells for my music so I don't piss off my clients. Shh. Uh, This was fun. This was fun and interesting and... Very serious. <laughs> all over the place. All over the place. <laughs> all over the place. And um, if we're going to share, we're going to share. Yeah. So if we're going to share, I hope you share. Tell a friend about it or two if you like it. Oh, and uh, most if, importantly, subscribe. That's right. And also, I have a suggestion. If you're already listening, then you probably already know this. But if you share this with somebody, tell them, listen in the car. I know people don't always sit down and listen to the entire podcast, but if you're in L.A., which some of you are, you have time in the car. Turn it on. People who have dogs and you go for a walk, listen to it while you're walking the dog. That's right. Nice one. Tell a friend. Subscribe. Oh, you are at Sharon Koppelman on Instagram, not Sharon M. Koppelman. That was false last time. So follow my mom on Instagram at Sharon Koppelman. See, and you laughed at me. You also weren't very confident. (laughs) Well, I was not confident because I was intending to tell my website first. And you thought, you said, where can they find you? And of course, you meant Instagram. Sharon Koppelman, S-H-A-R-O-N-K-O-P-P-E-L-M-A-N. For both. Uh Uh-huh, for both website and for Instagram. Follow me at Rick Sorkin. And if you want to be a guest or have an idea... Um, hit us up. Everybody and their mother has a podcast.com. I'm Rick Sorkin. I'm Sharon Koppelman. And this is uh, Beginner's Heart. Thanks for listening.
Doesn't it seem?